All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dave Gold Evolve podcast. This is a very, very special guest that I've got with you today. His name is Ruse Allen. And he's one of those guys that, at least when I saw him, I didn't know what to make of him. All I knew was, all right, this guy seems really mature. He seems really insightful. But I wasn't really sure what he was getting at. And as I've gotten to know Ruse over the past few weeks, I've started to see that there's a lot of depth there. So Ruse, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for the, uh, for the kind introduction, man. Yeah, I'm you're excited welcome. excited to be here with you. Before we jump into it, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor at the Self Love Army. If you guys haven't gone to the Self Love Army on Facebook, um, check it out. Thank you later. All right. So Ruse, I want to know a little bit about your journey. Okay. I love the hero's journey. And what I see out of you is that you have made an incredible spiritual journey. And I want to know where it all began and how you got to where you are today. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I think I first got into like some semblance of spirituality or some connection to it when I was about 18 or 19, I started reading these books called conversations with God and I started to resonate with them very deeply, but I, I wasn't really like quite emotionally mature yet. I just started to notice like, Oh shit, there is this part of me that, that seems to like have my best interest. That's, speaking to me or guiding me, uh, but I wasn't quite yet ready to, to trust it. Uh, I, I really was holding on to controlling everything myself. And I second guessed that part of me all the time because uh, while that part of me had that really my best interest at heart, uh, a lot of times what it was asking of me was to really change my life up significantly from what I like wanted or thought I wanted. And so for most of my life, I, I went kicking and screaming whenever that part of me would, would speak to me. So uh, this would happen in my relationships uh, right around that age. I got into a relationship with a woman. My mom passed away and uh, immediately I could see that part of me was like, Hey, this girl's not right for you. But I stayed in it for two years because I enjoyed the sex. She was hot. And I, I just didn't want to listen to that part of me. I, 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 I just wanted to have what I wanted in front of me. And so, you know, as I started to see this pattern of this part of me speaks to me when it has something real to say to me or true, uh, I started to get in touch with it more and more and, and started to see that, oh, this part of me is, doesn't go away. Like it, it's here to tell me the truth, whether I like it or not and, and guide me. Um, so I learned the hard way for most of my life. I would go through relationship after relationship with this part of me telling me, hey, this isn't for you or hey, you need to look at this. And for the most part, I would, I would try to evade it. Eventually, I started listening to it after my um, not this past relationship, but the previous one, I was engaged to a woman I was with for four and a half years. Um, this part of me became so loud that I, I could no longer not look at it. And I finally just surrendered to it. I ended the engagement. I wouldn't travel the world. I started expressing myself more authentically, getting connected to my emotions. And I ended up becoming a dating coach, uh, dating and masculinity coach for about a year and a half. And then um, I went through that experience. I dated a lot of women. I, I had a lot of fun, but again, that part of me started rising up again. 
it starts saying that, hey, this disconnected or dispassionate, you know, sex life you're leaving is it's not really for you. It's it's it just felt didn't feel right anymore. Eventually, I got into an intimate relationship with my last girlfriend, um, amazing woman, went deeper than I have ever, ever, any other woman. And most recently, I, I had my biggest awakening, which was really um, about dropping anything that feels fake to me, like letting go of anything that I feel is coming from attachment, coming from a place that's cluttering my life and not allowing me to connect to the spiritual side of me that's trying to guide me into wherever it's trying to guide me. And that made some radical shifts in my life. I, I had to change my coaching business to something new. I ended my relationship with my now ex-girlfriend. Um, I'm decluttering my life significantly. I'm cutting out a lot of stuff. I'm letting go of a lot of relationships, friends, family, um, probably going to be moving as well really soon. So uh, it kind of shifted my life in a radical way. And I foresee that this is what it's going to be moving forward is that this part of me is going to be the driver now. And I'm going to be more witnessing and just delivering on what it's, what it's asking me to do. So it's a, it's a different shift and it might even sound kind of crazy to some people that listen to this, but it, it feels connected to like what feels like I need to be doing next. Okay. So you're from San Francisco originally. Yeah. Is that where you're at right now? Yes, I am. Okay. And where are you thinking about moving to? Well, I'm open. I, I potentially might move to Florida. I also um, may just live with my dad for like a couple months and see what is coming up as like what's next meant for me. I'm pretty open. I'm not attached to any one place at all. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm slowing things down in my life a lot. I, I spend a lot of my life do, 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 do. And uh, I'm doing the opposite now. I'm, I'm actually just getting into more of a being state and mm -hmm. just staying very present with every moment. And I'm noticing the more I do this, the more I've, I'm, I'm connected in the flow of life. Things just show up for me uh, without me trying. Um, I, I kind of set an intention and, and then the universe does its thing and, and things present opportunities for me. So uh, I'm open-minded to that and I'm waiting for more clarity uh, around that. But Florida is like potentially a, a, a serious option, but it might not be, it might be something else. You know, one of the reasons why I asked that question was because I wanted to see if maybe you would say Sedona, because recently you made a post in your group where you were talking about how love told you to end your relationship and, and, and quit your coaching business and let go of attachments and, and go to Sedona. So I want to touch on that for a second. Why Sedona and, and what happened there? Because you're not the first person that I've heard that they've had a, a spiritual awakening in Sedona. Yeah, the, the why, I, I actually don't know why. I, I had this calling a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that I, I had to make all these changes. And because it hit me like such a strong wave, uh, it was overwhelming. Like I, I, I kind of got hit by, it felt like a hurricane uh, and a tornado and an earthquake all at the same time. It just was like one after another. So uh, after a few days of journaling it out, um, the last day, Friday, the day before I actually left for Sedona, I, I sat down and I said, okay, where am I supposed to go? And I asked, and I asked Tahoe, and it's like, no. I said, Mount Shasta, and it said, no. And I said, Sedona? And then my body just went into this like deep peace. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to Sedona. There was no reason why, I can't tell you why. The why is unclear to me. 
I, I just asked and I received a very clear to me answer. And so I followed that answer. And, and the next morning I, I flew out at six in the morning to Sedona. And, and you went out there, you went into nature and you did a little self-discovery or maybe a massive self-discovery. Yeah, I, you know, I did a lot of hiking. I also spent a lot of time, honestly, just in my room, um, letting things up, feeling through them, journaling about them mm. and getting clarity, um, fighting, kicking and screaming, trying to negotiate with myself to <laughs> not have to change the things the way they are. But, um, you know, as soon as I started letting go more, it started to become clear that like, well, I don't know exactly why there's something about compromise that kept coming up. Like, can't compromise my freedom. I can't compromise who I'm becoming. I can't compromise what this part of me is telling me to do. Like if I compromise that, I compromise my top priority, which is my freedom. Well, and, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So it seems to me that <clears throat> a lot of people will jump towards compromise. And at times I think that that makes a lot of sense. Okay nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent perfect. So you might as well be grateful and be present and be, you know, happy with what you've got. But on the other hand, when you compromise too much, it seems like you give up a lot as well on mm -hmm. your freedom, on your peace, on your clarity and on your purpose. And so, you know, I live in this city here in, in Tel Aviv, the rent is so expensive, I find myself compromising just to live in a decent place, okay? And that is frustrating at times. So why did you decide to stop compromising? And what do you think is a good process that someone can take when they become aware that they are compromising too much? Mm, yeah, so the first thing I'll, I'll say is that um, the way you led the question, there's like a bit of an assumption in there. The assumption was that um, nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? And I think I would likely argue the opposite of that is like, I think everything is perfect as it is. We just don't see it that way. Like every event that happens in your life, every moment, if you actually look at it and reflect from a high level, you'll see there was something in each of these events, each of these interactions that you were meant to get um, but most of us don't look at that. Most of us look at um, the meanings we create about ourselves because of those events. We look at, uh, you know, the pain it might have caused us, but we don't look at how that event was meant to happen to become who you are right now. So I would actually argue that uh, everything's perfect as it is and everyone's life is, is exactly where it needs to be based on what they're experiencing and what they're coming here to experience. With regards to the compromise part, um, I think at some point, most people get to a place where they know there's something gnawing at them. It might, might've been gnawing at them for a long time and it might feel really painful, but it, it's a pain that they carry around that, that is telling them something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel as it should. And I think every human being experiences this at some point. Um, and most of us carry this, this pain around all the time. We try to avoid it. We try to fix it. We try to run from it. We try to prove ourselves wrong. Um, but actually the only thing you need to do is just stop and, and connect to it. So listen to that part of you. So you're, saying, you you're, you're saying though that, that you can be in a state of quote unquote perfection, but like, let's say someone is 
really broken, okay, or really How deeply. How can they be broken? They feel broken, you mean? Let's say they've been deeply traumatized. Okay. And they've got a lot of emotional healing to do, and they've got a process that they need to go through mm -hmm. in order to come out more self-accepting and more self-aware and more loving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How can you mm -hmm. tell that person when he's at that low state that in that moment, he is perfect just the way he is? Mm. I think I wouldn't start there. That's probably too big of a leap of consciousness for him. I think the first place I would start is helping him see the root of his pain. The, the root of the pain is, is a lot of times the first place where someone begins to wake up. And for most people, the root of their pain is that there's events in their lives and those events are really neutral. And then there's the meanings and stories that they add on the, onto those events that make the pain appear very real. So I'll give you an example for me. When I was four years old, I went into surgery and uh, I was really scared. I was going in and uh, we're going to have surgery in my ears, put like tubes in my ears and stuff. And I was frightened. I was terrified. I really wanted my mom to come in with me into the operating room, but she was not allowed to. And I remember feeling terrified and wanting her to come and she couldn't. And the story I created at that age about myself was that I must have done something wrong. That's why she left me in here. That's why she didn't come in here. I must be, there must be something wrong with me. That's why she took her love away from me. And that created a sense of abandonment. Now the actual event itself was me going to an operating room and she wasn't being allowed to come in pretty neutral. Like there's no actual, there's actual no inherent meaning to that. But as a little boy, I didn't know any better. So I created a meaning about it. Thus it created this pain or this experience of abandonment. And for most people, their lives are shaped around these little stories, these little illusions they tell themselves. And until they become aware of like what they're making like events mean about them, then they will still, they will let those stories and illusions control their lives for a really long time. A lot of people, unfortunately, well, I guess I can't say unfortunately, it's like they're meant to be where they're at. Um, but a lot of people, they are developmentally in adult bodies, but they're emotionally six, seven, 10 year old kids. Like they just haven't, they haven't become aware of those perspectives that they're holding on to unconsciously that they shoved away somewhere. And for them to mature into human adults where they can validate themselves, they can feel love, they can accept themselves, they can give love, they can be of service to others, they can attract and use the power that um, is gifted to all of us by the universe to be able to you know, create whatever we want in our reality. They block themselves from that because they hold on to that perspective. So for anyone listening to this, look into where that pain is and see what story are you telling yourself? What's the meanings you're placing on the events of your life? Because it is those meanings, those perspectives that are holding you there and keeping your reality the way it is. Do you think that it's healthy to tell a story to yourself, to have a, a narrative or an inner, inner dialogue? I, it's neither healthy or unhealthy. It's... It's just like, you know, if you wanted to write a program to do a certain thing, you, you would write a program to do that certain thing. But a, a computer is, is a blank canvas until you start, you know, putting stuff into it, right? Your mind is a blank cam canvas until you start putting stuff into it. Um, there is no, beliefs are just 
beliefs are all stories, even if positive belief, like if you believe that you're confident and um, attractive to any woman that you see, this belief will, you know, if you believe in it and you truly are embodying it, well, you're going to attract a lot of women into your life pretty effortlessly. But like the only purpose that's serving is for that. Is that belief actually true or not? No, it's just a program you wrote into yourself. You can write an opposite program. I'm unlovable. And what you'll act in front of those women is like an unlovable guy. You'll reject yourself. You'll be weird. You'll, you'll be awkward. You'll be nervous. And you will literally predetermine your own destiny and push women away. So it, it depends. If you are looking to create a certain reality for yourself, yeah, you can write a positive belief um, and, and reduce and eliminate negative beliefs. You can also just eliminate beliefs and become into a neutral place where you're open to experiencing reality as it is and going with the flow that there is not a wrong or right way. There is not a healthy or unhealthy way. These are just labels we put. It's just like, what the heck do you want? Whatever you want, get clear on what you want, why you want it. And then you can do some magic with that. You have kind of a gift that the universe gives you to, to write these codes and to erase codes and create new ones or to have none and just, Pretty be, much be open. What's been the biggest X factor so far for you to make this transition? For you to get to this place of higher state or higher consciousness, what changed? Uh, I think the biggest thing that changed is that um, decluttering my life and and actually getting really clear on what i want and why i want it because uh, without this uh, we'll be holding on to a lot of stuff energetically that's blocking us from getting what it is we truly want to experience uh, most people come into this world and because they're experiencing it from a very childlike traumatic event that they are holding on to they don't trust themselves they don't trust their own faculties to 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 lead them to their own happiness, to their own natural state of like love and happiness. So what they do is they think there's something wrong with them. They feel bad inside and, and they, they think like, I, I must be wrong and everyone else must be right. And they just, they compare everyone's outside to their inside. And what ends up happening is they start to try to combat this pain they feel with trying to prove themselves, doing more, listening to other people and what makes them happy and trying to copy them. They, they basically do anything and everything other than listen to themselves and trust themselves, which is the most important thing you do. It's, it's, it sounds obvious and simple yeah. because it is obvious and simple. Yeah. And when someone yeah. comes to you in that moment and they say to you, I don't know what myself could tell me that would actually point me in a positive direction. And I'm just thinking about a specific student that I have right now and how he would understand and, and contemplate your approach. And I think for a lot of guys out there and women as well, just understanding that you already have it inside can be very confusing. It can be. I think the, the simplest thing most people can do is like, let's look at like the facts. Most of us are spending the vast majority of our lives chasing something outside of us, right? The first question I would ask myself is, is it working? Is it getting you what you want? Like 
all of us have accomplished and got something we wanted that we thought would make us happy. Every single person I know personally has done that, has, has actually set their sight on something, said this was going to make them really happy if they got that thing, got it, and then put that aside and went to the next thing. Mm. This is a kind of a very common experience for pretty much every human being. That yeah. I um, so be honest. Is it working? Is it giving you permanent happiness when you do that? Is it actually getting you what you want? Or are you finding yourself that you're just chasing and looking forward to the next thing? So number one, that. Number two, sit down and be honest with yourself. Take an honest stock of two things in your life. What feels like it's hurting you and what feels like it's healing you or loving yourself. Make those two buckets and make a list, make an honest list of both sides. Start to remove and declutter the stuff that is in the what's hurting me category, what's creating hurt for me in my life, what's bringing me down in pain and start to add more of what's hurt, like helping me. Like if you speak honestly with yourself, you can see does, um, does me going out for a walk daily for like 20, 30 minutes a day, does that feel like it feels good to my body? Does that feel like it's healing? Does that experience make me feel more present, more here, more in a place of happiness or love? If yes, then do it. If no, then don't do it. Um, same with like anything in life, meditation, um, with uh, the food you eat, like just take simple stock. Like, is this making me feel more aligned with myself or less aligned with myself? If you just start to take stock of this stuff and start making simple shifts, you'll start to get the hang of it. You'll, your, your body and mind will respond to you and you'll start to suddenly see like, Oh yeah, this stuff does feel good. This stuff doesn't feel good. So let's just remove this. There's stuff that's meant for all of us and there's stuff that isn't meant for us. Okay. And so the problem is, is everyone's holding on to everything. With this decluttering, okay, letting go of things that we're holding on to mm -hmm. and simplifying our life down to the basics, down to balance, down to a middle path, a, a more grounded state, more conscious. what kind of authority or boundaries are necessary to assert in this paradigm? And does love require you to assert your authority? Uh, it depends how we're looking at authority. I, I think love just requires you to assert love. I, I, I think the, when you look at the same, the same example, like what's hurting you, what's okay. If, if saying yes to someone when you mean no, because you feel guilty about hurting their feelings is hurting you, then stop doing that. Just tell people, no, I, I doesn't feel aligned with me. Like be, be, be brave enough to be honest. I think honesty is probably the simplest way we can move out being loving. Now I, I want to make clear what's honest and what's not honest. If you went up to someone and said, you're ugly and you're like, well, I'm being honest. That's not being honest. That's you judging someone, which usually means you're judging yourself. That's a projection. What's being honest is when someone asks something of you or um, you ask something of someone else or you expressing something to someone or you doing something that's an expression of something that you feel is connected to you and you following through on those things. That's, that's what honesty is. That's what love is to me. Whenever we set a boundary from a loving place, it, 
it doesn't have to be aggressive. It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be something where you're, you know, demonizing them or making them like wrong and making yourself right. It could be a simple no. That's love. It could be a simple um, yes. It could be I love you. It could be just whatever feels true and real to you that doesn't compromise what's healing you, what's making you feel more in line with love and with, with what's the energy you want to be in. That's really it. It's nothing complicated. Does that make sense? Well, you talked just now about when you start to feel like a sense of, of pain, is that correct? That mm -hmm. you want to show that love. Okay. But we've also talked before about making a commitment to pain. You said at one point, make a commitment to 72 hours of pain. Okay. Mm, I think don't, I know what you're talking about. Don't run, just allow, just sit, just do nothing and figure out what's going on. What is a higher power trying to show you about yourself? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what does that mean to you? A commitment to pain? So uh, I think I, we may have had a, like a little misunderstanding. What I, what I really meant to say is like, just sit with your pain. Sit, because the pain is trying to tell you something. It's not trying to hurt you. Mm. It's trying to tell you something. So um, most of us spend our lives running away from that pain. We experience it and we think it's bad because it feels unpleasant. So the immediate judgment is this is bad. I must be wrong. I need to fix this. When in reality, you don't need to do any of that. You just need to sit with it. Allow it fully listen what it's saying, give it permission to exist and you'll get something from that experience. And you know, the, this 24, the 48 to 72 hour, um, what I call a, you can call it a spiritual quest. You can call it a, um, you know, a purpose quest. This is really more about sitting and listening to yourself and asking the important question to the part of you that's meant to guide you. You can ask whatever you want. You can ask like, What's, what am I meant to do right now? What's, what is the next move for me that's going to lead me to more love in my life? Or that, you know, ask, ask the question that's important to you and then be open to whatever the answer is. And if you sit with yourself for about 48, 72 hours, sometimes less, stay open, cut out all distractions, you will almost always get an act, uh, either a, an important step, like a go this direction or a very clear like indication of what you need to be doing next that part of you is meant to help you. And it, that's, that's the voice that's connected to the universe. So if you sit there and listen, you might not like the answer because it might upend your life. It might go against like what you're doing right now, but you'll know the answer is real because it'll be simple. It'd be direct and it'll feel true. Something inside you'll be like, fuck, that feels, that feels right. Even though I don't like the answer, it feels right. So would you call this in a sense, checking in with what your heart really needs with that, that experience or just everything we're talking about that experience in particular? Yeah. I, I think it's more of like, or, what is your, what is like, your core source telling you to do? Like, you take that 24, 48, 72 hours. You stop everything. Maybe you go out into nature, maybe you're doing it in your home, wherever you live. 
and you understand that if you have a desire for this inner freedom, that here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to let the light in and to simplify things. And so I think we're going to move in now to what the purpose of this call was meant to be about, which is transitioning your life from chaos to simplicity. Mm -hmm. Because I came to you a few days back and I said to you, Ruse, I feel chaos, but I love it. I love the chaos. And yet it didn't seem to me and to you that there was any desire for me to release the chaos. The chaos had been created only by myself. And that if I really wanted to step into simplicity, I was going to have to change the way in which I was looking at my reality. Mm-hmm. So give me your insights here. How do you move? And I know there are so many people right now that are in chaos all over the world. How would you tell them to move from chaos to simplicity? Mm. So, I mean, everything we've talked about today so far are, are a lot of the steps you would be taking. Um, you know, the decluttering, the looking at what's hurting you versus what's healing and helping you, uh, vision quest. <laughs> let's just start with something simple. Like start with getting clear on what do you want and why, what do you want and why, if we can get that clear, then you can go into the vision quest and and ask like sincerely, what would I need to do to move towards this? And what would I need to let go of? Let's break this down. So when I started coaching and I didn't have a lot of experience at the time and I was doing it as a barter, Okay. And I, and I was really just doing it to get back, but I recognized really early on that I, you know, wanted to understand what the other person wanted, but what does that even mean? What does that even mean? And, and, and how do you know that you know that you want something? Mm. So this is like one of the interesting things that happens when I'm coaching someone and I'm asking them what they want. There's always a why, why do you want it? Yeah. Like, tell me, tell me why, like, for what reason? And what we'll either get to is like, there's something calling them in that direction. They feel like it, they're meant to do it, which is a good sign. But there's, there's another thing that comes, which is like, I want it because I, um, I think it's going to make me happy. This is a sign that you're being led down a, uh, to a, to a booby trap, essentially. Whenever I, I hear a, a desire that, is looking to be met outside of them to bring you to some sort of happiness or some sort of like joy or love or something. Uh, this tells me there's a lack of clarity. They, they don't understand what they want. There's a, there's a misalignment a misunderstanding of where happiness and love and joy is. And for me, I need to help them declutter that story to see like, do they really want that thing? Is there, are they being called to it or are they projecting something onto it? Like a simple way you'll know this is that if you help them get the thing and they still feel dissatisfied, then there was something they were projecting onto that. Thing. Let's, let's break it down into like a very concrete or practical example. Like let's say sure. someone comes to you and they say like, 
all right, I know what I want, Ruse. Okay, I want to date a really hot girl, or I want to start a coaching business. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they come to you with this one. How do you, you know, do you decipher first whether or not that want is in line with their purpose? I will help them get clear on, on, on why they want it, where it's coming from, why they're called to it, what they think they're going to get out of it by getting that experience. Because once we get really clear on this stuff, for the most part, the person becomes self-realizing in that whether that thing is something they really want or something that uh, is, is, is like a false projection or an illusion. They think they want it because they're going to get something out of it. Uh, so once we get clear on this stuff and we see like, Oh no, this, there's, there's a lot of internal valid reasons that's pulling them in that direction. Then we just look at what's blocking them and help them remove the clutter, the fears, the blockages and clear a path for them to effortlessly move in that direction. Because if you're called to something and once you get rid of some of the blockages, the universe like quickly comes in and takes care of everything. Adapt. It's just, it, yes. Yeah. Because look, the universe is completely mirroring us at any given moment. We're, we're not, you know, the law of attraction, it's, it's creating all the time in every moment, like right now, everyone is creating in the moment they're at. It's just, most people are creating unconsciously. They're creating clutter and shit and mess and chaos. And, and they don't know why, but they're used to it because they did it their whole lives that way. But if you actually take stock of like what's yours to do and what's not, what you're called to do and what you're not called to do, and you actually start removing that shit, you'll see the life force of where your energy was going to all the stuff that's not meant for you come back inward. And now you have so much more power, so much more direction, so much more, um, you know, life force to, to move you in more flow. It's very simple. It's like, there's nothing complicated about it. It's just for the most part, people aren't trusting themselves and their energy is scattered in so many places that's not meant for them. And until they declutter all that shit and get clear, their life will be very messy. Like the, the, the most extreme example of this um, is people that are homeless. People that are homeless are the most ultimate misunderstanders of themselves. They completely misunderstand where they're at, who they are, um, what they're being t- called to do. Uh, and they're in complete survival mode and they're, they're very stuck there. It's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's the reality. And the people that are the most successful or clear, they are creation machines. They just create things effortlessly. Uh, if they fail, they bounce back very quickly. Um, it, it's just so because they cut out what's not theirs. What, what, is, what does that mean to you, though? So on the one extreme you're saying is this homelessness, and on the other extreme is this you know, very, quote-unquote, successful person. So how do you define success or someone success being as in like success, success in effortless creation creating whatever they, their reality um I'm, i don't mean success financially or success like because they have a hot girlfriend i meant literally success because they are effortlessly creating whatever they want without much trouble at all it's like they they know how the creation process works they um remove the distractions and the things that aren't meant for them they're good they're really well decluttered and they know how to use their energy and life force to penetrate and create what they want really effortlessly. Now, uh, that's the only way I'm defining success in this, this regard. To me, success and failure are also somewhat just like- Subjective. Terms, labels, yeah, they're subjective. 
so I'm, in the context of what we're talking about is simply in, in the creation process in letting their desires come up and manifesting them very effortlessly or simply. Okay. So would you say that you've started to become a quote unquote successful person or a successful coach? Uh, it depends who you ask. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I feel, I feel good about where I'm at. I yeah. think it's evolving daily. Even from that post I made about uncompromising love, I've changed a lot even from that point. I, mm. My life has been kind of a rocket ship recently. Bruce, you've changed since we last spoke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it, I have. And, and the reality is I, I suspect that this is going to continue to change as like I declutter more and I become more clear because, you know, clutter makes you unclear. It makes you unclear about who you are, what you are. It makes you unclear about what, what's, what you're meant to do, what purpose you're, you're meant to fulfill in this lifetime, who you're meant to help. Like, it, that's what clutter does. And decluttering that stuff, it opens you up to much clearer reality to work with. Much Have you thought about living a simplistic, you know, minimalist life? Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually in the process of decluttering a lot that's in my apartment and, and giving it away. Um, I'm probably going to give away a lot of my money. Uh, I you know, spend more time donating time and, and money to others that need it because I'm so bought in that the universe is take care of me, like taking care of me that like, I have zero like worries or fears around it. Like I, I just know I'm very connected to the creation process. Like in the last, last month, I've gotten seven new clients, seven new clients in, in a month. Like that, that never happened for me before, but it's because I'm trusting the universe. I'm not, I'm not trying to control things anymore. I'm putting my energy out. My coach, my calls are pretty simple. Um, I'm not forcing or pushing anyone. I'm really checking in to see like, Hey, this is how I feel about it. If you feel equally aligned, let's do this. If you don't, let's not do this. Like it's pretty simple and straightforward. I'm trusting that the universe is only going to bring me clients that are meant for me. And uh, yeah, that's working. Like I don't have to force or I don't have to handle objections or do traditional sales calls. Like I'm, I'm literally <laughs> keeping it simple and going with the flow and, I'm feeling taken care of. Like, I don't feel like I need anything from anyone. I don't feel like I need money. I don't think I feel like I need any of this extra stuff that I have. I feel really called to give a lot of it away and let others who want it have it and to keep things more simple and decluttered in my life because it feels good. It feels like it's what's healing me. Pretty simple. I'm not trying to make it complicated. What heals, what hurts. Let's cut out what hurts. Let's keep what heals. But you didn't always feel this way when you first started your coaching business. No, we're in a different state. No, yeah, no. Yeah, of course. Like I, I was more in the, the doing energy. Like I got to do, I got to push, I got to take action. <clears throat> this is a fallacy. This is like some made up bullshit. Every person thinks. Um, and, and it's again, it's a distrust of yourself. You don't need to do any of that shit. The only thing you need to do is listen to yourself and flow with the action you're being called to take. That's it. Like if you do that, the action will pretty much seemingly feel effortless. It won't feel like hard because you don't really have to try to do things you want. If you're motivated to do something, you just do it. If I want to get a drink of water, I'm motivated by my thirst. And for me, it's a quick walk to the kitchen, fill up the cup, drink it, done. There's no, there's no effort in that action. What if everything in your life could be like this? You could literally make your life be like that. It's, it's a choice. That's the power you're given. But you first got to be honest and, and let yourself see what, what is 
not meant for you and cut that stuff out. It's, it's really that simple. It's, there's, there's some attachment to that stuff. So there's going to be some pain if you're really attached to it. But if you look honestly as to whether it's meant for you and you, when you start to get clear on that, you'll be able to grieve it and let it go. And you'll start to see life starts to feel more connected to you. You start to feel more alive and free and things start to feel easier. And look, that's a choice. There's not, that's not saying it's better or worse. To me, I like it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it more. It's just a choice. People want to live the way they want to live. And uh, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing right with it. But if that's what you would like to do, then I would suggest you consider a lot of the things I'm suggesting. So let's say that that is something that someone wants to do. Do you think that they should just naturally have that sense of motivation to go get a drink or quote unquote change their life? Or do they need to at times look externally towards a coach or a mentor or a course or some kind of accountability or kick in the ass to get them up and to wake them up to where they've slipped up and where they've gone wrong? Yeah. I think that the answer is it depends. It depends. Why I say it depends is because truth be told, everyone has the faculties, the abilities, the, the natural connection to the universe to be able to do this on their own. Now, if you feel called to get help, something's telling you like you think you need help, then listen to that calling. That's probably a part, the part of you that's trying to help you. It's saying to find someone to guide you so you can get, get to where you want to go faster. So it just depends on the person and where they're at. Uh, if that part of you is saying, yes, let's go explore that, then surrender to it. Trust it. See, what, see where it takes you. If it's not and you're feeling like you are in a place where you want to do this on your own, then listen to that part of you and see where it's guiding you to go next. Ask it, where, where, where do I go next? What should I do next to help get more clear? And it'll start giving you clues if you start listening to it. It'll, again, the, the thing you want to listen for is the simple, the direct, like anything that's complicated or overthought is the ego. It's the fear part of you. Anything that's simple sounds like, yes, that feels true um, is direct, not complicated. It's, it's very simple. That's the part you want to be listening to. All right. So if you hear the, 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 the simple, Okay, like, and this is a big one, right? Just be yourself. Or let's find your authentic self. But what if you don't even know how to be yourself? Or you don't know exactly what authenticity means to you? And the way that you view your authentic self another person looks at as very inauthentic mm. yeah so authentic self is a funny concept yeah um and this won't make sense until you actually go and, and discover for yourself but it's important everyone um if you you are called to see who you really are to be very curious and introspect on that because uh authentic self is there's too many definitions for it, for it to mean anything, right? 
you want to do some introspecting on who you really are, what you really are. And that, that could be its whole, a whole spiritual journey in itself to do that. Um, Like if you're getting, if something inside you is telling you to to be yourself, um, ask for more clarity, ask, what does that mean? Can you help me? Can you help me see that more clearly? And it will continue to guide you. Um, That part of you is meant to help you move to the next level up. Sometimes when you ask for something, it might come, be open. It might come from another person. It might come from a conversation where they say something to you and it just like hits you. And you're like, oh, it could come from a simple interaction with a stranger on the street. It could come from something that just comes in the moment when you're watching TV and they say something and it just hits you. It can come in so many different ways. You just got to be open to, to hearing and seeing like what's touching you. What's like, feels like, well, that was something. You, you had that experience before, right, David? Like something hits you like, wait, what? That, that I've had that many cool. times. I actually want you to provide, you know, a personal example right now of when um, that happened and when, and, you know, sure. open your eyes. I've had, a, I've had a lot of them lately. Okay. So like, um, more recently, uh, and I'm going to say it from the perspective of the person that I was helping, mm-hmm. um, more recently, since I've had the shift, I've been attracting a lot of people into my life that they themselves are in a place where they're in a state of confusion. Like mm-hmm. people have been coming to me unprovoked and running into me, talking to me and somehow, some way we talk about where I'm at. And it, it brings up something for them where they're like, oh, I feel like I have to be looking at something too. There's something I feel like I've been avoiding. It's like very subtle. And I tell them like, hey, this conversation was meant to happen. This is the universe's way of saying, look at that thing. There's, there wasn't an accident that you talked to me. This, was, this happened for a reason. So look at that thing that you think you're avoiding. And you will, this was what you were meant to get from this conversation. It's just simple as that. Like, and I've probably attracted like, you know, eight to 10 people into my life recently like this, including you, David, like you came to me and we had a conversation and like that, that was what was happening for you. Like something felt like I need to look at something, but I don't want to look at it. Right. We had that conversation like a, like a week ago and this has happened about 10 times already it happened yesterday when I was donating um, clothes and uh, food to homeless people in San Francisco. I asked, Facebook, like, hey, does anyone want to join me? And two people joined me. And the girl that joined me, I only met her one time, sweet girl. And we were talking and she was asking what's going on in my life. And I shared. And she's like, she's like, damn it. I think what you're saying makes sense to me. I think I'm avoiding something. I need to look at it. And I was just like, of course, of course you are. Like, I was, and I just told her, like, by the way, 10 people like you in the last two weeks have come to me with something very similar. Take this as a very legitimate sign from the universe to look at that thing. To me, what has been coming up, right, if we're going to say on a very similar subject, okay, people coming into our lives with a certain problem, um, people will come to me, yes, with this lack of wanting to see that it's their mind that is the problem in the way that they look at things. Mm -hmm. But also a lot of people coming in showing me that they're having trouble letting go of toxicity and letting go of relationships that weren't meant to be or relationships that they set a certain frame and now one or two or three or six months down the road, it's coming back to 
bite them in the ass and they don't know how to let it go. They're so deeply entrenched in the emotions and in the feelings and in the commitment to the job, to the girl, to the family, to the friends, to whatever it is, they don't know how to let it go. They don't know how to declutter. It's such a difficult step. It's such a massive change. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of bravery. And it takes a lot of self-awareness mm-hmm. to get out of that sense of this is not what is healthy for me. I want to move into your coaching impact right now. So I see it in myself as well. You, you start coaching, you start helping people who have a lot of problems and, and then maybe at a certain point, different people start to come to you, maybe even higher level people. Okay. Like other coaches themselves. Mm-hmm. And the only way that people who are also being successful, awake, conscious are going to come and seek you as a coach is if you're an impactful coach. So I want to talk to you for a second about what does it mean to really understand other people and to become a truly impactful coach to you? Mm. The number one thing any coach that's listening to this to help them become more impactful is for them to really know themselves. Go deep into yourself and, and be, be what it is you are meant to be. Like basically everything I told you guys today, anything that, anything I told you guys, like this isn't me telling you to be like me. This is me telling you to check in with yourself and see what, what the you that wants to be you is. If you do that and begin to understand yourself really well, your emotions, the patterns, um, you know, your ability to create, your ability to let go of what's not meant for you and, and relax more and trusting your universe, your faculties more, then you'll become a more effective coach. Confidence is your birthright. Simply doing this stuff will make you more confident because you're trusting yourself. Um, and so like, you know, when I look at when I started as a coach, a lot of the insecurities I had, a lot of the self-doubt, a lot of like needing to prove myself, that's all dead now. That died. It's been dying. And I have no desire to do any of those things. I have no desire to prove myself to anyone. I have no desire to sell someone on my services. I literally trust that the universe is going to bring me someone that's meant for me and I'm meant for them. And we're both meant to get an experience with each other. And because of that, my confidence just naturally oozes out of me. I don't have to do anything. It's when we try to step outside of those bounds enforce things where we show that we're not confident in ourselves. We don't believe in ourselves. There's something missing. So go inward and see why you're holding on to controlling things. Go inward and see what's causing you to force things or take things, um, you know, into your own hands when they don't need to be that way. What's meant for you is meant for you. And what's not meant for you will, will be repelled by you. And that's nothing to say that you're bad or good. It's just, there's an energetic mismatch and that you were meant to get something different from that experience. And that's it. If you can trust that and get to know yourself really deeply, 
you'll be an excellent coach. You'll be someone that other coaches come to to get coaching from because you naturally will have that confidence in inner knowing. It's really that simple. What about if we're talking about impact? Mm -hmm. How do you leave a large impact on a woman's life? Especially an emotional impact. Well, where she will feel a sense of connection, a sense of acceptance and understanding that she's never possibly felt before. Hmm. When you're being the type of man that I'm describing, this will be a very natural part of the way you are. Because your way of being is very at ease, it's grounded, it's emotionally honest, it's connected with yourself, it naturally invites connection to her. It's, it's like a byproduct of. So it's again, it's not a matter of doing, it's a matter of being. Uh, simply by being this way that I'm discussing, talking about, uh, you will be more present with her. You'll know what to do in the moment when a conflict arises. You'll be able to see her more clearly as she is. And what happens when you don't know what to do or if when what you do doesn't come out the right way and maybe an argument ensues or you start to see signs that it's not working out? Mm. So this is two different questions. So like if something comes out in a way that she perceives differently than what it is, there's no right or wrong way for it to come out. It's just like, we are in control of what we do, our actions. And we are also in control of our reactions to the events. So um, if someone reacts poorly to you, the first thing to do is ground yourself as best as you can, do your best not to react to them and and, and be present with what's going on. It's in your present, being present place, like being in the moment where you'll see what's happening. Because a lot of times that person is, is, is experiencing one of their own stories. They're making what happened with you in that moment mean something about them. And if you can stay in that moment with them, be present for them, don't react, and then, and then really dig in to see what's making them upset, you'll help them see that there's a story coming up for them. There's an assumption. And you'll help them climb out of that hole so you can resolve it in a more mature way emotionally. Okay. Now, if the second part of your question, mm -hmm. uh, if you are finding that you are showing up in that way and a woman is not able to meet you where you're at, she's constantly staying in that place of victimhood or um, blaming you. And um, regardless of like, you know, you showing up and being this way, she's not able to be there. That's a very clear indication that you guys are not meant for each other. It's, there's an incompatibility is all it is. There's nothing to force at that point. It's just simple. We seem to be incompatible. It would be best to, to end this relationship. Nothing to take personally. Um, now, there's also an important caveat here is if you're not showing up in this way, if you are being part of the problem, which most of the, most of the times we are, um, we are part of the toxicity in that we're also seeing stories and illusions where there aren't any then it's good to check in with yourself and handle your stuff, take responsibility for your stuff so that you can show up more presently. You can show up more honestly. You can express your emotions more openly and honestly and take responsibility. Women are going to mirror you for the most part. If you show up in this way and take that kind of present responsibility, women will mirror you. 
women will, will, will struggle to stay in the energy of toxic, in the energy of blame because of the way you're showing up. They'll either meet you where you're at and you will resolve things and have much better, deep, intimate connections, or you'll completely repel them and you'll realize they were not meant for you, that someone else is waiting for you that's better to this energy that you're stepping into. Okay, so a lot of times this term is, is thrown around, this mirroring, right, from Tony Robbins and NLP and people just saying life is a mirror. So what exactly does that mean? Because we've talked a lot about this. You've thrown that term around a lot already in this conversation that the girl that you're going to be with is going to be a mirror for you. The things that are happening to your life are going to be a mirror to you. What's behind this concept? Yeah, the, what's behind it is that um, what's behind what the mirror. <laughs> what's, what you're seeing in another person is actually what you're seeing in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's something about yourself you're seeing that you're likely rejecting. So when, when like, um, let's say a girl gets mad at me, like I say something to her and she takes it to mean that um, I, I insulted her and she gets mad and feels hurt. She's projecting that mad and hurt onto me. But in reality, it's the story that she perceived that was already inside of her that she took what I said to mean that and it flicked that story inside of her. And because it flicked it and it created pain in her body, she's making it mean that I did it to her if she's not really aware. But really all it is, is that I'm reflecting what's already there inside of her for her to look at and be able to let go of. That's all it is. I'm just a reflection. She's just projecting it onto me, but it's just a projection of herself. That anger and hurt is hers. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not mine. She's, she's projecting it onto me, but it's just something inside her that she needs to take care of. So when you see a girl and you start to feel inadequate inside and you start to say, fuck hot girls, they're all bitches, blah, 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 from that pain, they're just mirroring. They're just being a mirror for you to see what's hurting inside you. It's your pain. So they're giving you a gift for you to see what hurts, where you're feeling and telling yourself you're inadequate. So you can go to that place and heal it. You can let it go. You can bring it back to reality. That's what I mean by mirroring. Now, now the reality of coaching though, right, is that sometimes people are just not ready for the truth. They're not ready to be healed. So how should someone know if they are ready for the truth and they do want to take this next step? If you're in a place where someone's delivering you truth, the universe is telling you you're ready. The universe wouldn't put you there if you weren't ready. Now, when you take that truth in, you can, you'll know it's the truth because it'll feel like truth to you. And that's your choice. Do you want to go kicking and screaming there? Or do you want to just let relax into it, surrender, go through the process of grieving or whatever it is and, and gently go there. But the universe doesn't put you in a position or show you something that you're not ready to deal with. The universe only puts you in those positions when you are ready. You talked about in one of your latest posts, not believing anything that you or anyone else says. Oh yeah. It's just hearsay or dogma. So 
you've been talking a lot today in very prose terms and, and, and some stoicism um, sprinkled in there as well. And, and why should someone listen to you? Why should they believe you? They shouldn't, David. <laughs> they shouldn't believe me. In fact, don't believe anything I said today and don't disbelieve it. What I'd encourage you to do is go out and experience and be present with the experience and then let your own faculties decide what feels like it connects to you and what does not. You have everything you need. I'm literally being a mirror for everyone right now for them to introspect into their own reality and to try this stuff out and experience it with an open mind, an open heart. But don't believe or disbelieve. That's dogmatic. Simply go and experience, let it in, and then see for yourself. That's it. Someone's going to come back to you and they're going to go, man, that's scary, Ruse. And so what if that person is scared to let others love them or to let God love them or to let them love themselves? Um, I, I would introspect as to, to what's, what's the fear about and what are they really afraid of? Because most fear is an illusion. Most of our fears, they're, um, they have no basis in reality. They're just, they're made up stories. So it's just, it's helpful to get clear on what they're actually afraid of, what they're scared of. And a lot of times when they realize it's a bunch of stuff that's out of their control, which is really life. You think you're in control, but like you don't have, we don't have any fucking control of what's going on. There's a fucking universe that's puppeteering everything behind us and energetically moving things. And it's at such a high level that a small human mind can never know what it is. They can just show up and be open to what it is and trust it, surrender to it and do it or not. They can go kicking and screaming. Like those are really your main options in life. You want to go kicking and screaming or do you want to just flow with it and surrender and, and be open to the possibility? So like the person that's afraid, it's okay. Welcome to fear. Step into that fear and get intimate with it. See what that fear needs from you. Be present with it. See what you're really afraid of and then take small steps towards wherever you need to go and just see, see it for yourself. See, is the fear true or is it all just a sham? See if is fear really good at telling you the truth most of your life or has it been lying to you a lot? Just what, is, what does fear mean to you, Ruz? Fear is a perspective is all it means. It's just a perspective. It's an emotion and a perspective that comes from that. It's, it's a perspective of, the world is dangerous. Um, uh, I need to protect myself. I need to protect my body, my life. It's a misunderstanding of, of who you are and what you are. And, and, and uh, it's a really survival emotion. It's an emotion based on survival. But if you realize that there's nothing to survive, that, that the universe is supporting an energy of thrive, and you can step into that and choose that whenever you want, then fear starts, stops becoming such a dominant emotion in your life. You know, I've worked with so many people that told me all these crazy fears. And at the end of my program, they come out and they're like, they're laughing. They're hysterically laughing at like what they were afraid of because it was so far off reality. And the, the life they're living now is such a simpler, better life for them that, it, you know, it's, it's laughable. It's really laughable. When you, when you start to go through a couple layers of these fears and see that for yourself, these experiences will resonate with you. You'll know what I mean. Again, don't believe or disbelieve what I'm saying. Go out and get experiences and then you'll see what I mean. You'll see it for yourself and then you'll know.
All right, so you go out and you get these experiences. You start to see that this fear is nothing more than a perception or an emotion that you're putting on some experience that you're having. And you decide that you want to take ownership. Maybe you want to take ownership of your love. What happens when, what happens and also what are you capable of when you start to take ownership of this love? Well, love is a much higher expansive um, consciousness level to be at. So uh, your capacity to, to, to feel, um, you know, first of all, significantly less negativity in your life because the, the negative perspectives are dying. Love, love is a perspective that um, does not hold on to any sort of negative emotions, really. It, it really burns off a lot of that. Um, but the other thing you'll experience is greater ease and effortlessness in your life, um, much higher attraction. You'll be attracting at a significantly, exponentially higher level. And you'll be in a position to be giving a lot more and desiring to give be more involved in your community, get, be more involved in service because it'll feel loving to you to do that. It'll expand your love to do that. So it, it just moves you into from a, a taking energy, survival energy into like, I have everything I need and more. And it's a place where you want to give, give to the world, give to yourself. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. But the, it's, it's really night and day in comparing the two. They're so far removed from each other. Uh, it, it's really crazy. So your potential for what you're meant to be in, in expansion are really high. Once you start getting these experiences, letting go of those perspectives and stepping into more of your natural place. Do you think that there is a, such a thing as unconditional love? Yes, I, I, I do. Uh, I think unconditional love, again, don't believe or disbelieve. You need to experience it. Uh, is when you get to a place where you don't see a difference between yourself and anyone else or anything else, where you see yourselves as, as one with everything um, experientially, not intellectually, but you see it at the depths of your being that uh, you, there's no separation. And, and when you have that kind of love for yourself, you have no choice but to have love for others in that same manner. That is what unconditional love is. It's, it's beyond most of the experiences of what most human beings have. Yeah. So let's say someone throws it back in your face, the love that you want to give them. Okay. They don't respond with an, I love you. They lash out against you, mm -hmm. cuss you off, steal from you, cheat on you. Okay. In that moment, is it possible to still remain in a state of unconditional love? Oh, absolutely. Because you're not seeing them for those actions. You're seeing them from what's underneath those actions. You're still looking at them from the love perspective. Now you're just looking at them like, oh, these are just painful childlike perceptions they're, they're projecting onto me. They don't have anything to do with me. And you still just feel love and compassion for them. They can't hurt you. They can't steal from you. They can't do wrong by you because you're not looking at them as any of those angles. You're looking at them from the deeper level. So nothing they can do can, will affect you. They could stab you with a knife and kill you and you still would love them because you realize like we're one and the same. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a, it's a, it's going to be foreign to a lot of people listening to this. Most importantly guys is you can do this two ways. You can do it within your relationships or you can do it by yourself. Both ways will work. 
if you begin to see others' pain, the things they've done to you as innocent childlike perspectives that had never had anything to do with you, it was never personal, you can feel compassion for them and do the same for yourself, you'll start to shift in this direction. You'll start to shift away from those old victim perspectives and step into more of a loving perspective that like, oh, wow, just like I'm in pain and I have these perspectives that are hurting me, so is everyone else in this world. It actually has nothing to do with me. Anything that anyone ever did to me, they didn't really do it to me. They did it to themselves and they projected it onto me. It was never actually personal to me. It was never about me. And if you can remove that personal, then you can remove the things, the anger, the hurt, the hatred, the fear, the sadness, all the stuff that's there that's jading your view will be gone. And you'll wear glasses that show you a different reality and that show that that person is the one that's in pain. I don't have to react to that. That doesn't have to affect me. You know, uh, I don't want to turn this into a religious thing because this is not meant to be religious, but like, you know, Jesus died on the cross and they staked him. And he, I forget the term he said, but he said, forgive them father for they not, they don't not, they don't not know what they're doing. What he was basically saying was um, don't hold this against them. They don't know that they're, they're this inner love inside them. They give this, this powerful loving being inside them that if they knew that they wouldn't be doing this, but they're, they're so confused with what they are and who they are that they're projecting it onto me. It has nothing to do with me. That's, that's what he's basically saying. He's saying to still see them as love. You talked uh, with our, with our man Thomas on your podcast about going from someone who hasn't told their parents that they love them to being a leader in love. Man, I, I really resonated with that because like, it was really hard for me to embrace love growing up. Uh, I felt like a lot of things were just being given to me or there was a lot of pressure, expectation or judgment and whatnot. And to me that that term was very clouded. Okay, so I went and in search of love and search of connection. And, and instead I found rejection. Instead I found pain. I found suffering. And I had to go through a lot of, a lot of difficult times, a lot of down times in order to get to this place where, you know, I stumbled upon Thomas's work. I stumbled upon your work and started to see that I could lead with love. What does that mean to you? Um, leading with love. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think that that really means is connecting to what is healing for you. What's, what's really um, feels right to you in your heart and putting that into the world. Like that thing that you're doing for yourself, put that same thing out into the world people's love is going to be their own variation of it, but in general, it's going to have some of the same, a lot of the same undertones to it. It's going to be very giving. It's going to be very honest. It's going to feel um, very unconditional. It's going to feel like a gift. Uh, it, it's just, um, it's something that'll touch you at a really deep level so that it'll touch them at a deep, really deep level when you express it or you share it in any way. 
I think the most loving thing, the things that are most loving are the really simplest things. Gentle hug, gaze, and I love you. Um, something just from your heart. And it doesn't have to be complicated, more complicated than that. Uh, simply like the, 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 the thing we talked about before, like the mirroring, the mirror also works when you give to someone. So if you give anger to someone, um, well, they're going to reflect it back to you as well. And you got to keep it because you have to generate it inside yourself. When you give love to someone, they're going to mirror it. You're touching them at a deeper level. So they're going to mirror it. You're going to put a lot of people into a state of, of their own love. And, and you're going to have to give it to yourself when you do that. So giving and receiving love is a kind of an ironic thing. The giving and receiving is, is actually, these are just terms. They happen at the same time. If I give you love, David, I have to give it to myself. I have to generate it within myself to be able to even give it to you. So I have to give it to myself. And at the same time, for you to receive my love, you're giving me the gift of giving it to you as well. So if you let yourself receive it, at the same time, you're giving me the joy of giving my love to you. So it's all happening at the same time. There's a giving and receiving on both ends of it for both of us, which is not everyone knows that, but that's actually how it is. And that's the same thing that happens with anything you're giving. We're, so if- we're going to dovetail that in to dominance. Okay. okay. Strong dominance because I know that you started to explore more BDSM and, 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 and dominance and open relationships and wow, just open your mind. How do you do that from this deep sense of love when you're saying just a gaze, just a touch, just a feeling, just an emotion? How does that empower your dominance? as long as whatever you're doing is coming from that energy, you're going to be in a dominant place. So like you can um, fuck a girl from that place. Um, You can be very intense and like pull her hair and call her a little dirty slut from that place. And she'll feel it off your sub communication, your energy that the words are not what the words are on the surface. They are from an energy of love and from sexuality and from openness. Mm. Opera from love. You can choke her from love. Mm. You can do all that from love as long as you're staying grounded in the energy and you're letting that guide you in whatever it is. All right. So uh, one of my friends, uh, Julian made a post recently um, and uh, it was a really interesting, interesting reflection because it felt right. It felt, I felt connected to it. He said, when you're dominant in your love, like people like are in your presence and you're really dominant in it. You don't get phased by other people. That's when people fall in love with you. If their, their frame of love is lo- like lower than you, then they will feel really deeply attracted to you or fall in love with you very quickly. And that's really the case with what happens with really dominant loving men is like a lot of women will fall in love with them because generally speaking that their, their frames might not be as high and but when this man can hold such a strong frame of love, that means he can fit her love into his frame and hold that container, masculine container for her. 
for her to completely fall in love into her love in a safe way. So it's the same thing when it comes to dom dominant submissive relationships, exact same thing. If you can hold that space in your own love from a dominant place, tell her what to do, um, you know, choke her, slap her, get on her knees, bend her over, fuck her on the ass, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's just that you're in that energy and you're doing what you want and you're being, and you're coming from the loving energy and, and she gets to go into the other side, completely submitting into that love, like completely surrendering. And she gets to go into a space of like zero thinking, zero control, completely trusting you. And in that space, she's wide open and surrendered to her own love. And so that dynamic, the energetic dynamic, it's not about domineering. It's not about like making yourself feel powerful. It's just about being powerful and giving her the space to be powerful, but in an opposite way, in a completely surrendered way. Because it takes a so lot for her to the, surrender. The, the, the surrender is almost empowering in a sense. Oh, yeah completely empowering you're empowering her into the depths of her letting go of control and completely submitting to her own love empowering her into submission yeah. giving her permission to submit yeah and and trust and safety so that she can go deep into her own sense of love completely like let loose let go that's what is it, it is. is is that but what if, what if there's resistance there and it's not something that you just Oh my God, you're, you're showing your girl so much love. I know there's going to be someone listening to this who has no idea what you're talking about right now, by the way. Yeah. And, and you're just showing her so much love, but there's still resistance to submission or surrender. Then what? Yeah. Most times that's because there's something going on in yourself that's creating that resistance. There's a mirror going on. Um, it, if, if you are so dominant there and she's still resisting and you're being firm and you're, and she's not falling in, then um, to me, we're, we're going back to the compatibility incompatibility thing. Uh, most cases, if you are in that place, the woman will drop in and surrender. It's almost like she, like she's compelled to well, because it feels so right. But if it doesn't feel right to her, there's a resistance in her and you're, if you're still feeling solid, then it's likely incompatibility is all it is. Now there's a case where like, if there's resistance and you are, you're honest and saying like, no, I had resistance too. Then you want to be honest and open up, take a pause, express your resistance, open, be vulnerable. That'll invite her to do the same thing. And then you guys can both get a healing process from that. You can both let go and then you can come back into the moment from a more loving space and then you can continue again. So there's moments where it's not a perfect, you know, flow. A lot of times this exploration is you're both, healing inner stuff as well. So when something comes up for you or for her, open up, pause, express, own it, share it, open your heart. And you will find that with this practice, it'll become smoother. It'll become more intense. It will become more dominant and submissive. So it, it, it's there. But if, but if the consistency of you opening up um, and her closing down and it, it's for some reason, there's just incompatibility, that's a different sign. If you're doing your part and you're showing up and, and she's not there with you, that just means that you guys are not aligned with each other. That's okay. That's just, you got to find someone else. All right. We're, we're going to come to, a, to an end soon, but when you talk about this incompatibility, okay, there's also been a trend, I think, 
in a lot of societies, I know in the one that I live in right now, where not only the men, but also the women become more masculine. And in many societies, the men become more feminine. Okay. And the women feel more empowered. So yeah, a guy comes to you, he's more in his feminine. You're telling him to be dominant. He's going into the bedroom with a more, uh, a, a woman who maybe she is in her feminine, but also in her masculine as well. And it's, and it's starting to take over. It would seem to me that there would be a lot of friction when you try to push that, you know, dominance, a word that's so misunderstood, try to push that dominance on a woman who she just doesn't want. I don't know, maybe she does want it, but she doesn't, she doesn't know that she wants it or she is having such a hard time to surrender or submit to it because of everything that society has told her or that she's experienced growing up. It seems to me that this, oh, I, I, I'm just gonna label it as incompatibility. It's like, it's gonna be a tough pill for a lot of guys to swallow, especially if they're already in a relationship with someone that they love. Yeah. Like, look, the, the, the reality is um, most guys are going into their relationships, not being fully who they're meant to be. Like right. they're, they're coming in, they're coming in and they're, they're showing, showing up like 50%, 40%, 30%, 70%. So the, the basis, the foundation of the relationship is already on a um, dishonest or a lack of trust there period. The only way to know if that relationship is real or not, or if that's you're meant to be is like when you go hundred percent in and you open up fully and that woman can see like, and begin to adjust to the new you. And if she's meant for you, she'll stay and she'll, she'll naturally mirror and adjust to her polarity, her, her feminine side. And if she's not, then she's not. And you're going to find someone that's, that is aligned. But the first step is you got to work inward first and, and you got to show up in the way that you you want to show up. Um, it's not an overnight thing. Like if you've been showing up a certain way for two years in a relationship and you're showing up a bit more feminine and she's been taking a masculine role, she doesn't trust you. That's why she's not giving you those duties because you're not, you weren't taking them in the first place. So you need to gently move her in that direction by first letting her know what you're doing, why you're doing it, where you're looking to head and start showing up in that way. And be present with the conflicts that are going to arise from that because it's a change. You're changing the relationship essentially when you start to step into that. It's not a force. You're not pushing the dominance on her. You're stepping into your own power and you're being who you're really meant to be. And she will adjust with you or she won't. And if she doesn't, she's not able to, she doesn't want to. That's great. You just found someone that's not really meant for you. Awesome. Now you get to, you know, let go of that relationship, but now you get to keep what you've been, who you've been being. And that's going to attract a different kind of woman in your life. That's going to mirror and, and bring in a different vibe and you will have a better relationship because of that. Well, I'm probably going to cut this into two segments because we've talked for quite a while, but this interview has been very, deep, very meaningful, very impactful. Um, 
And we're just into our final question right now, which is something that I asked all the guests that I have on, on the show. How do you see your life, your relationships, your impact and purpose and business evolving over the next year and into the future? Oof. Well, um, definitely getting rid of the clutter uh, yep. is the number one priority right now. And I think it's going to probably evolve. I, I can't tell you where it's going to be in a year if I'm being completely honest, because uh, shifts are happening pretty regularly. And um, I think the most important thing I'm really helping people focus on is like decluttering their lives and getting clear on like their inner voice, the one that they're meant to be working with, that's their helper and helping them step into what and who they're meant to be in, in the parts of their lives that are meaningful for them. That's like the core thing. Now, for some people, that's going to be love and devotion. For some people, that's just going to be stepping into confidence and purpose. It's going to probably vary from person to person what they want. Um, but my job isn't to force them into one box. It's to help them see where they're meant to go and, and help them confidently walk that path and, and go there uh, and continue going beyond that point once they see they've completed that that layer of whatever they were meant to do. So um, that's really the direction I'm going in. Uh, it could be in any part of life, but I, I think most importantly, it, it's going to really connect to mission purpose first and foremost, because all the other parts of your life, they start to come together more easily when you take care of that one aspect. When you have a direction in life, uh, your desires realign appropriately in your life too. And, and the, a lot of the neediness, a lot of the um, insecurities, they get taken care of when you're living with a greater sense of mission and purpose in your life. You're following yourself in the way you're meant to go and you're letting go of what's not meant for you. This is a, an extremely attractive quality for you know, men or women, like that they have like a direction in their lives. There's something that they're, you know, for a lot of women, it's gonna be more stepping into more love and for a lot of men, it's going to be stepping into more freedom and purpose. And, uh, but they're going to have both aspects in, in both to some degree or another. So that's the direction I feel like I'm headed towards more. And I think it'll continue to evolve as I get more clear. Like I said, as I become better with myself and as I become more um, aligned with, with who I am or what I'm not, <laughs> um, that will be reflected in my coaching as well. Bruce, are you working with both men and women? I was only working with men for the most part, but I'm now um, open and happy to work with women as well. And how can they reach out to you? Because I'm sure there's going to be at least one person that listened to this interview that is going to feel deeply connected. So, so you can reach out to me at ruse at therealmasculine.com. You can join my Facebook group, um, which David, if you want to share it in your group, we can. Um, or we'll have you. Me. We'll have you on. We'll have you on in, in the in the in the group as well. And Dave Goldie Ball. Cool. Yeah, or you can just direct message me on Facebook, um, ruse Allen R O O Z A L L E N, and uh, yeah, we can chat, see what you know what you're working on, and set up a free call and, and see if there's a universal fit for us to, to help. Well, Rose, I think it is a blessing that um, I've been able to connect with and 
meet someone as unique and special and someone that really seems to have figured a lot of things out. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. And Thanks for having me, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. See ya.